The Boulderista is a podcast that celebrates the Boulder, Colorado lifestyle by highlighting local influencers and the inspiring impact they have on our community and celebrating the local traditions that make this the happiest place to live in the U.S. I am your host, Sherry Figueroa, and I invite you to explore what makes Boulder, Boulder. Our guest today is Boulder local Ryan Dozer, who says that 15 miles per hour is the perfect speed to experience the world. Ryan is an outdoor adventure vlogger who treks the planet with his GoPro, documenting his travels from his bicycle. His passion for the outdoors started as a kid exploring the Rocky Mountains and grew into a mission to inspire others to get off the couch and get outside. Ryan's incredible videos aren't just for the likes. He uses experiences like riding a cruiser bike across the U.S. to promote bicycle advocacy. His work has expanded to include motivational speaking, creating and producing branded content, and writing articles for publications, all rooted around his deep commitment to preserving the beauty of our environment. I am thrilled to welcome Ryan today on the Boulderista podcast. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. That was the best intro ever. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was you. awesome. Thank you. Well, it's easy because you're all over the internet. Yes, I'm a very researchable person. <laughs> you are. Yes. Um, that's funny. One of your videos, I believe, is like when you type in Ryan Dozer, all the different things that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so um, did you ride your bike to- here today? I did ride my bike here today. I ride it every day. I've never had a car. I'm 41, and I plan to keep it that way. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a kind of a testament to the city that we live in that you can do that. Yeah, Boulder's a great city for cycling. We have lots of bike paths and protected bike lanes. You know, the weather's really nice for cycling. You know, if I lived in northern Sweden, it might be a different story. But luckily, Boulder really takes, you know, cycling seriously. Um, and you told me that you got your license, in fact, just for a car commercial. Yes. So I was trying to go throughout my whole life without getting a license. But I got hired to do, because I do a lot of video work, we were making a series for Land Rover. And they said, well, we need you driving this car. And I was like, ah, sorry, guys, you didn't do your research on me because I don't drive a car. And they're like, well, that needs to change fast. (laughs) So at age 32, my mom taught me how to drive just enough so I could get my license so I could do those car commercials. And it was there were very quick shots in the commercial where I'm just like behind the wheel talking to the camera while I'm driving. Most of the videos were me doing adventures, but uh, they did need me to be legally behind the wheel driving a car. I love that your mom taught you how to drive. <laughs> yes. You're a self-proclaimed mama's boy. Uh, yeah, definitely a mama's boy. We actually made a film about me learning how to drive at age 32. It's called Driven. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I take my mom on a lot of adventures. She just retired two years ago. And, you know, she's a single mom, four kids. She worked all her life and devoted everything to us. So now it's her time to really enjoy life. And it's fun for me to take her around the world and show her the places that I love. So I just got back from a trip with her. We went to the northern part of Mexico, the Copper Canyons, to run an ultramarathon. She was there to cheer me on and eat guacamole, not to run, but it was really fun for her to be there. And you grew up here in Boulder, is that right? Yeah, born and raised. I was uh, born at Boulder Community Hospital on Super Bowl Sunday, January 21st, 1979. (laughs) Nice. What was your experience like growing up here? I loved it. You know, when you're a kid, you don't really appreciate 
what the town is all about. You know, I could have grown up in Omaha or something until like age seven or eight. It's just you're just a kid and you run around in the backyard. It wasn't until a little bit later that I realized how special Boulder is when I got my first bicycle when I was younger and I would ride it all around on these trails and go out to the Boulder Reservoir and the Foothill Trails. And I loved it. And I loved the bicycle to me was my freedom machine. And Boulder is a wonderful place to explore by two wheels. Mm. So tell me how you got started in this kind of work that you do. It was here in Boulder, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I've always loved telling stories. Back in high school, I, you know, if there was an option to do a creative project instead of writing a paper, I'd always make a video for it. So I've always I've loved that medium. And then I went to the University of Colorado and got a degree in broadcast journalism where they essentially teach you how to be a local news anchor. I did an internship at Nine News in Denver, and that was pretty cool because it's a big deal. But I realized quickly that's not the kind of journalism I wanted to focus on. That's uh, Local news is kind of depressing and sad and murders and deaths and stuff. And I wanted to make happy news. I wanted to make inspirational news. And so I just started running around with my little Sony Handycam and filming videos. And my first outlet was Channel 54, the public access TV channel here in Boulder. This was back in 2005. And that was my first voice to the world. And I created a show called Out There. And the whole idea was to inspire people to get off their couches and get outside by showing them fun little local adventures in Boulder. So how did you transition from making those videos on public access to traveling the world and creating content um, about outdoor adventuring? Yeah, very good question. Because when you work for public access, you don't make any money. Sure. You know, I was living in my mom's basement at age, you know, 28 through 30. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I felt like Wayne's World, if you remember that movie. Oh, yeah. Tries to some public <laughs> access. And uh, I really wanted to travel and see the world. It's not something that we did as children. Again, my mom didn't have the money to take us around the world. And um, I decided that I was going to try to find a way to travel and get paid for it by making videos. So I started public access. Then I started making videos for the daily camera in here in Boulder. This is right when YouTube came out in 2005 when online video became a thing. The daily camera paid me $50 a video. So I was raking it in Whoa. once a week. But it was exciting because it gave me a voice in my community and it gave me a bit of a following. People seemed to like the content that I was making and I wanted to take it to the next level. I wanted to be like a TV show host for Travel Channel and tell stories and share cultural, you know, uh, experiences um, with viewers around the world. And so I just slowly but surely started building up a library of my video clips and, you know, just like any anybody trying to be on TV, I would send clips to producers and casting producers and say, hey, this is what I'm doing here in Boulder. Would you hire me? And I got my foot in the door at Travel Channel and started creating content for them. And that led to a lot of other things. I was on a survival show on the Discovery Channel. And uh, it's led to where I am today, just making YouTube videos, essentially. Let's talk about that. Um you were in the jungles of Venezuela for one month yes. filming for the Discovery Channel. Tell me about that experience. <laughs> it's a hard experience to explain in a short amount of time, but without a doubt, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, both mentally and physically. I mean, we didn't have 
food. We didn't have camping equipment. When we would sleep outside, we would all cuddle up in a little pile to stay warm. We didn't have anything blocking us from the rain unless we were able to make some sort of shelter out of palm leaves or something. And this was 30 days in the Venezuelan jungle, and we had bugs biting us and poisonous this and that. We ate termites to get protein and grub worms. And it's like, you know, a lot of you out there have seen Naked and Afraid. It's essentially like that. We just weren't naked. (laughs) (laughs) What was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Wow, there's a lot of takeaways, but that's definitely one of the most impactful experiences of my life. And uh, I really learned that I can and humans can overcome great odds when you come together as a team. And we really worked together. That was the beauty of this show. It wasn't like Survivor where we're voting somebody off and there's backstabbing and there's money and there's a prize. There's no catty behavior. Like we had to work as a team to get out of this together. And none of us knew each other before this. And so I think it shows off the best of humanity. And uh, I mean, there were days where I wanted to quit and I wanted out. I hadn't eaten in five days. I lost over 35 pounds. You know, we barely slept because we'd get rained on all night and bugs were biting our faces all night. And it was miserable. It was absolute torture. But if you keep your mind balanced and steady and you rely on uh, your friends to, to lift you up, I think we humans can do just about anything. So your work is tied a lot to advocacy, environmentalism. Um, You rode your bike across America promoting um, advocacy for cyclists and the League of American Cyclists. Talk to me about this work and why it's so important to you. Well, I've always, as a young person, wanted to make the world a better place. That goes back to me never wanting to drive. I was like, well, I don't want to pollute the air. I'm never going to drive. I'm going to ride my bike everywhere. And, you know, that's expanded to a lot of different areas now. But... With cycling, I think it's something we humans, we Americans can do a lot more of, and we're just so used to jumping in our car to do everything. So I rode a New Belgium three-speed cruiser bike across the country in 2009 as a way to show people, like, hey, you don't need the most expensive gear. You don't have to be an elite athlete. Like, we can all do this. And maybe you're not going to ride your bike across the country, but maybe you can ride your bike to work or to school or just, you know, start mixing in more bike rides into your life and using your car a little bit less. I'm not a car hater. Obviously, I understand the the value of a, of a vehicle and a car, but there are, I think, we can ride our bikes a lot more than we do. And to go along with that, video is the greatest way to reach people now. The average, you know, Westerner watches four hours of online content a day, whether it's YouTube or Netflix or whatever else. So it's a great way to reach people. That's it's really smart to use that as a platform. What other kind of groups are you supporting or other kind of um, associations? Yeah, so biking is near and dear to my heart. So I work with People for Bikes. It's a national bicycle advocacy group. It's actually based out of Boulder, but they work on a national level. On a local level, I mean, I love my town. I love my Boulder. I'm a Boulder boy. I work with Intercambio. And they help uh, teach language skills to immigrants from all over the country so that they can get better jobs here in America and integrate with our society. I work with Attention Homes. It's the only youth shelter here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, uh, And I jump into lots of other organizations. You know, I, I help with the Boulder Boulder every year. It's not a nonprofit, but I love promoting running and getting outside and getting kids psyched to move. I go to I go to schools all the time and talk to kids about running and cycling and how fun it is because we live in a world where, like, I would I hate to say it, but a lot of kids would rather just sit and play video games than go outside. And I grew up going outside, and I know the value of it, and I love it. 
And I think a lot of times it just takes a little nudge from somebody to really inspire a little bit of change. That's true. Um, so you cycled across Cuba. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally Cuban, so I'm just oh, fascinated nice. by this. Very cool. Um, tell me about that experience. What did you do? What? Yeah. Uh, so going to Cuba for me was like this great mystery, like it is for most Americans. We sure. grow up not knowing what to think about Cuba. The media kind of says a lot of bad things. Communism is bad. And I wanted to see it for myself. And again, I know the best way to see anything is by traveling slowly at 15 miles an hour. So I decided to ride my bike across Cuba. And this was back before it opened. So it was 2015. So I went through Mexico and it was no problem. You land in Havana and they're like, welcome. You know, mm-hmm. they're psyched to see you. There's not, They're not like anti-American at all. At all. It's at true. all. And so I, I got there, took a bus all the way across the island to Santiago de Cuba on the, the eastern side, and then I rode all the way back to Havana. And the beautiful thing about Cuba is you, you can stay with local families in casas particulares mm-hmm. where you just, you, you essentially people rent out rooms in their homes for $20. And when you do that, you get to like talk with local people. And they're obviously curious about Americans. They have a lot of European travelers there but not as many Europeans. So it was a great opportunity to share a little bit about me and where I'm from and and being an American and learn from them and their side of Cuban history. Yeah, I found the Cuban people, and I'm biased, obviously, to be very warm. Oh, yeah. And like you said, curious about Americans. Um, But yeah, very friendly and more like each other, more like Americans than we think. Oh, absolutely. Except that um, out of necessity, they're incredibly innovative and oh, yeah. creative yep. and can fix anything. Yep. They are the most eco-friendly people on the planet without even knowing it. They've been into reusing all of their lives because they don't know anything. Oh, the toaster's broken? They don't just go to Walmart and get another one. They fix it and fix it and fix it. And they have that same toaster in the family for 50 years. And it goes with cars. That's why they still have the old cars. And I think it's a it's a beautiful society there. I really enjoy it. It's friendly. It's the safest place I've ever traveled by far. There's, you know, one of the benefits of communism is like if you do anything wrong as a criminal, you get in big trouble. So nobody does anything. It's like China. So there's like barely any crime in Cuba. Whereas when I travel through Mexico or Central America, I'm always looking over my shoulder because I have been robbed. I have had machetes in my face and guns and stuff like that. But Cuba, not a chance. And you ended up giving your bicycle. I did, yeah. To and that was a really cool moment. And I knew when I went into the trip that I wanted to give it away at the end to somebody, and I didn't know how I was going to meet that person. And I'd, so I'd ridden all the way across Cuba, had this wonderful experience. I was in Havana, the capital city, and I was signed up to run the Havana Marathon. And the day before, they had some little kids' races and fun activities beforehand. And I randomly bumped into a Boulder guy like just on the streets of, of Havana. And he's like, hey, Ryan, how's it going? I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I have some athletes here that are running tomorrow. And they were like semi-pro Cuban runners. And uh, I started talking to one of these guys. He was a gym teacher. He lived on the other side of the island. And I was like, hey, man, by chance, do you need a bike? He's like, absolutely. It's like, I don't have a bike. And I was like, today's your lucky day. That's and I, awesome. I just gave him my bike right there. And he was like, no way, this is incredible. Because for Cubans to get bicycles or anything imported from the outside world is almost impossible. It's true. Um, when we went, it was around Christmas time, and the, on the flight there, they were literally walking around the airport making sure you only had two bags to yeah. carry on because people were just bringing everything they could. Totally. 
So yeah, they definitely, I'm sure that man very much appreciated oh, yeah, that bicycle and is still riding it today. Absolutely. So, and I've stayed in touch with them. Oh, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, we stayed in touch. We chat all the time through WhatsApp. You know, the Cuban people are, have some access to internet now, whereas mm-hmm. before they didn't. But Raul brought the internet to the people, I think, five or six years ago. So now they can communicate with the outside world, which is very exciting. And a funny story is if you go to any, like, town square in any Cuban city, you'll see Cubans every night out there, like, talking with their family and in Florida or in the States and FaceTiming. It's a really cool experience. It's true. It's a, it's a way that kind of it's, – it's a tradition for people to gather at the square. But now, because there's Internet there, they're all gathering so that they can connect with people yeah. outside of the island. So you're, you know – your listeners get to know you pretty well. Yes. And intimately. Intimately. On many levels. On yes. many levels. And one of my favorite videos is actually um, the one that I contacted you about where you were sort of sharing um, with your listeners about why your then girlfriend wasn't yeah. in your videos anymore. Yes. Um, what's it like for you to be, you know, so open vulnerable. and vulnerable? <laughs> yeah. I've always kind of been that way with my own friends in real life. I don't really hold emotions back. And I think it goes for the same with my YouTube audience. They really know who I am on a deep level. It's not just like Ryan's this superhero guy and he goes on adventures. They want to like know a real human and relate to that. And so I share the, the hard times and the good times and everything in between. And yes, so at the time I had ridden my bicycle across the country with my girlfriend and my whole audience fell in love with her because she was great. And then all of a sudden, she wasn't really in my videos anymore. And they kept asking every time I uploaded a new video, where's Allie? Where's Allie? Where's Allie? And so I finally, I felt like I owed it to them to explain what happened. And I made a very raw, heartfelt video about why Allie wasn't in my videos anymore. And talking about, like, you know what? Like, we went for it. We have no regrets. We fell in love. But it just didn't work out. And that's life. You know, I don't live this fairy tale where everything works out all the time. And that goes with love. Is that a requirement then for your next girlfriend to <laughs> sort of be on video with you and like share that? It's not a requirement, but I guess if you are my girlfriend, you're probably going to get roped into my adventures in my life and my videos. My mom's always in my videos. I have other friends that are in my videos a lot. So not a requirement, but it's probably going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> So you live in Boulder still, yes. and you call Boulder home. Tell me about your neighborhood. Okay. I live in North Boulder, right on North Broadway near Amante. I love that neighborhood because it has so much great access to the outdoors and trails. And these are the trails that I grew up on riding my bike and running. And now I live steps away from uh, Wonderland Lake and all those trails that go out to the reservoir and along Dakota Ridge. And another cool part about my neighborhood is that there's restaurants and there's life going on. It's not like I'm stuck in some suburbia where it's just a bunch of houses. Like I walk across the street, there's Spruce Confection, there's Amante, there's Baco, there's a pupusa truck near me. Like I love it. I, and I get to meet my neighbors and my friends. And uh, it's a really, I think Novo has a lot going on. Also has a big art scene, which is great. That's right. We had a, a local artist, Chris Juan, on oh, cool. our podcast as well. And so there's these beautiful murals painted, and it's just a lovely place to walk around yeah. and kind of get familiar with the area. For sure, and I live right on the skip bus line. And for a guy with no car, when the weather is bad, it's really nice to walk out my front door and get on the skip and go straight downtown. That's right. And your apartment is solar-powered? Yeah. So about seven years ago, I decided to uh, – 
make my 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 apartment solar powered. And this is back when there were some pretty good rebates going on. So I hired a local company and got the solar uh, installed. And it's really fun to like to know that my smoothie is powered by the sun. It, you know, I don't know about all the details. I just hired the company to do it. <laughs> but, you know, I had a roof and I was allowed to put solar panels oh, on it. It was okay with the HOA. Mm -hmm. And I go up to my roof all the time and check out my solar panels. And I'm like, this is so cool. You know, it's like it seems kind of nerdy, but it's fun to know that, like, all of my electricity is powered by the sun. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's a trend that's going across the United States right now. Wind power, solar power, alternative energy sources. And uh, it just goes back to me wanting to have as little of a impact as possible on the planet. So not driving, solar powered. I'm a vegetarian. And I, you know, try to reduce, you know, my plastic waste and all that stuff. I try to be mindful of how I can keep things green. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of projects are you working on now? So right now it's all YouTube. For many years, I was in the TV world working and creating content for other channels. But now it's all my own channel, and I love it. It's the best thing What's that the name I've of ever it? done. It's Doozer TV. So, yeah, if you go on YouTube or Google my name, you'll find it easily. But I create content. It's very similar to the Public Access show back in 2005, aimed at inspiring people to get outside and showing them how easy it is and how fun it is and how great it is to sleep under the stars and to push your body a little bit and overcome mental and physical challenges. And I absolutely love it because I can share my heart and my soul with the world, like I said earlier, like the highs and the lows of, of doing these types of things. And people can relate to that and they cheer me on as I'm going on an adventure. So right now I'm editing a series about a bike ride I took down the Baja Peninsula in January. And it's really fun. Another thing I love about YouTube is I get to interact with my audience. They can write me questions right there in the comment section. And I try to respond to every single person that writes something. So they know if they reach out to me, they're going to get an answer. And that's the fun part. That's the social part about YouTube. You have so many friends that you didn't even meet yet. I and mean, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I bet you do inspire them to um, yeah. get out, in, even in the communities that they might live in and not know about. Totally. And I happening. get emails every day. And I don't make a ton of money doing YouTube yet, but I get paid. My emotional paycheck is when I get an email from somebody saying, hey, your videos have inspired me to ride my bike. You know, I lost 30 pounds. I thought I would never ride again, but you made it look so fun. And guess what? It is fun. So thank you. And that's what makes me happy. Speaking of happy. We'll come full circle now. So Nat Geo named Boulder the happiest city in the United yes. States in 2017. How is that true for you? Well, I mean, Boulder to me is, you know, it's an explosion of happiness if you're willing to grasp onto the great things of Boulder. I mean, our weather is great. We have amazing access to the outdoors and all sorts of different activities. And, we, you know, the events that happen in Boulder, you know, the Boulder Boulder race and everything else. Um, I think it is a town that uh, you can really find your happiness here. And there's a great community of people that are into a diverse thought. And we have the university. And uh, yeah, for me, Boulder, I, it makes perfect sense that we're named one of the happiest cities because it truly, it truly is. I mean, it's not like just moving to Boulder is going to make you a happy person. You still, it's, it's within you to you really embrace what Boulder has to offer. But if you do, you're going to be pretty psyched here. I think it's it's the lifestyle it's the access to yeah, nature totally. you know it's the access to natural foods you yourself are a vegetarian yep, is that right exactly 
Um, do you attribute that to living in Boulder, or what? Why are you a vegetarian? Yeah, I would say Boulder's influenced me in a lot of different ways. I mean, I'm 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 as environmentally minded probably because I grew up here, you know. And yeah, I took a class at CU called Gandhi. It was all about the teachings of Gandhi. This was back in 2003. My teacher was really influential. And I wanted to be just like Gandhi. And I was like, well, Gandhi's a vegetarian. I need to be a vegetarian. And so that's essentially how it started. And since then, I've learned a lot more about, you know, the environmental impacts of the meat industry and the hormones and the nasty stuff that happens to all the animals and the suffering. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be part of that. I'm going to try being a vegetarian. And uh, I've been a vegetarian now since 2003, which is, what, 17 years? That's um, incredible. I love that uh, CU has a class on Gandhi. Yeah, well, you know, CU is a good hippie school. we got to have a class on Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's Naropa University here, yep. which is a Buddhist university. So there's definitely a lot of access to that knowledge if you want it here. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Part of the reason I invited you here is because you are a local and yes. you – you provide so much great video content on mm-hmm. Boulder yeah. that if anybody is sort of curious about Boulder, they can really kind of yeah. um, use your videos to get to know the area and the things that they can do. So I really appreciate that, you know, you highlight. Yeah, I love Boulder this town. Way. I am a very proud Boulder boy. And whenever I travel the world, people know very quickly that I'm from Boulder because I brag about it a lot. And you can travel even to places like Cuba and still meet people totally. from Boulder. Exactly. It's so it's crazy. a small town, but it has a big reach. Yep. Boulder people get out. We're adventurous people. Well, you have so much energy and enthusiasm. I don't know where that comes from. It's just seems it comes like... from Boulder because of the sun. <laughs> it's the sunlight here. 300 days of sunshine. But it is contagious. So keep making those videos and inspiring folks to get up off their bottoms because yeah. um, it's contagious. You well, can... thank you very much for having me. This has been an honor, and I wish you the best of luck with this project. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boulderista Podcast. For more info on today's episode, to nominate an influencer to be on the show, or to connect with me for your Boulder real estate needs, please visit us at www.theboulderista.com and on Facebook and Instagram at The Boulderista. While you're there, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Until next time, stay happy, Boulder.